episode 97 of the Hangover Coach Noonan podcast features the Texas high school football insider legend Matt Stepp. Matt's first awareness of football was watching the Chicago Bears pummel the Patriots 46-10 in Super Bowl XX. He grew to a full-blown football addiction after he attended the 2001 3A Division I state title game at Kyle Field, where his own Everman Bulldogs beat Sinton 25-14. He is now the ultimate Texas high school football insider, breaking the majority of coaching changes throughout the state every offseason and appearing at countless football-related events year-round. His passion for the sport and the people that make it possible is unmatched. He has deep ties to the coaching community and a knack for spotting teams on the rise making to make his columns and Twitter account must follow, whether it's football season or not. For the three or four minutes each year, he is not thinking about football and you can find him hanging out with his wife, traveling or eating Texas barbecue. Just a few things before we jump into today's episode. From a housekeeping standpoint, remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast. We would love and appreciate a rating and review to help grow the show. You can do this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're needing custom cookies that look really, really good and taste really good too in the Dallas area, check out, check out Texas Treaties. If you're needing to up your menswear game, check out Etiquette Dawn for some truly custom and great looking men's apparel. If you're needing a great coffee to give you a boost, check out Viking Coffee Company. And if you're needing something to keep your locker room, weight room, mat room sanitized during the season, check out Xanago Sprayer. Enjoy today's episode with Matt Stepp. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the man with the inside plan, the man, the myth, the legend. He is Matt Step. Matt, welcome to the podcast. I feel like I should call you Coach Step, man. Like, <laughs> you know, you're just in the know of so much. And um, I'm sure you've gleaned a lot from coaches throughout your years of, of journalism to where you could probably step onto a field or a court and be pretty good. I don't know about all that, you know, I, I probably, I, I could, I could maybe fake it uh, for a little while, but you know, I, I've been called a lot worse than coach. I, I do get called coach sometimes, especially at coaching school. Cause you're, you're in that mode of you're saying coach all the time. So uh, it's, I, I view it as a, as a compliment. So I don't, like I said, I get called a lot worse. So uh, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's a fun time of year. You know, we're getting ready for the season to start and everybody's going to be really busy, but it's a good kind of busy because it means we're, we're back uh, watching high school football. And for you and your coaching fraternity, you guys are, are back coaching, you know, and doing what you guys love to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a, a better year to just keep it rolling. You know, it's been crazy the last couple with so many varying restrictions and, you know, thankfully, it seems like we're we're going to be, you know, full steam ahead and whatnot. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the one thing with uh, fall camps right now is, is the heat index and, you know, trying to take care of our, our kids and even coaches and, and the trainers and, and support staff as best as possible. Um, you know, when you when you go out to practice uh, or, or if you do end up going out to any practices, you know, what are your uh, precautions that you take in order to, uh, to be prepared, uh, for these, you know, hundred plus degree days, especially if you're on a turf field. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm not working near as hard as the players. Now I'm not as in as good a shape as they are either. Uh, that's the thing I, you know, like during seven on seven, we're out there all day and, and, and that kind of thing. And I tell people all the time, you know, you know, I'm not really worried about the kids as much, you know, I'm, I'm more worried about the parents the adults who aren't in as good a shape as the kids. But I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I have a lot of athletic trainer friends and, you know, and, and talk to them. And, you know, the biggest thing I think is, is for athletes, coaches, media, you know, just make sure you stay hydrated, you know, and, and high, you know, don't, if you know, drink a lot of water, you know, and, and, and do, do it beforehand, you know, don't, don't just start drinking water when you're out there in the heat, but make sure you're hydrated. And I think getting acclimated to the heat is good. You know, if you're sitting in the air conditioner all summer and then you come out first day of practice and it's 105 degrees outside and you're going to struggle, you know, and, 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 you know, so that's the thing, you know, that's why, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, when I'm out at seven on seven, that's kind of my acclimation, you know, to, to the heat and getting used to it and that kind of thing. Now I'm in Canada right now and it's not near as hot, but when I'm in Texas, you know, I, I get acclimated to heat and I think getting, getting your body used to being out in those, that kind of weather is big. And I think the biggest thing is listen to your body and listen to your trainers. You know, the trainers are the experts, you know, they're, they're the ones who know more about this kind of thing than anyone. So 
you know, if you're a coach and you're not sure about something, talk to your athletic trainer, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to protect your kids because they're, they're looking out for the best interest of your kids. And maybe it means wrapping practice up a little early that day or, or maybe not going as hard that day, but it's about winning the war, not the battle. And, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you do something and you try to practice too hard and the kid gets hurt or heaven forbid something more serious, you're not gonna be able to forgive yourself for it. So uh, my biggest advice is listen to the experts, like always, you know, the trainers are the ones who really know, know what's going on and they can, they can take care of your kids. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're very fortunate at Hendrickson to have two quality trainers um, who, like you said, truly do care about the kids. Um, uh, but they also care about the coaches, you know, and, and making sure that coaches are taking care of themselves. It's important. Um, you know, we can run pretty hot uh, depending on, uh, on the pressure. You know, I'm sure some of these big time programs that, that are eyeing a, a six week run, uh, you know, after week 10 or 11, um, you know, there's, there's a lot riding on it, um, especially if, you know, you open up, uh, you know, the Texas football Bible, you know, the Dave Campbell's Texas football magazine, and, and you're predicted in, in, you know, not only to win your district, but to go deep and, you know, between you and step and the, or you and Tepper and the rest of the crew over there. I mean, you guys produce a quality, quality, um, not just the magazine, but just content in general in regards to, um, you know, obviously the, the high school realm, but also, you know, touching in the college realm and a little bit into the pros. What do you think going into this 2022 season are, you know, aside from just going to the games and then eventually, you know, sitting and watching all the, the state playoff games, what are some things that you really look forward to beyond just that? I think for me, it's, it's the, it's, I, I love coaching school because I get to see a lot of people and I try to make my schedule. Um, I try to bounce around as much as I can. Obviously I have, I have a day job. And so I'm, I'm a little limited on travel outside the Metroplex during the week sometimes. But for me, it's, I, I get, and I'm, just, I'm not playing in a game, but there's something about that drive when, you, when you're, when you see that stadium in the distance, and you're about to pull into the parking lot I get that feeling in my stomach you know that it's 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 yeah, I can't explain it I'm not playing in the game but I just get that little flutter in my stomach and I just get fired up that's that's probably one of my favorite things is that drive when you're driving into a stadium and, and you're getting there especially for a big game and you know it's a big game and and you can feel it in the parking lot and you feel it when you're walking into the building and then I make it a habit for every game that I cover I go down on the field pre-game say hello to the coaches, just hang out during one. So you can feel that, that energy um, for a big ball game. And I think that's the thing I look forward to the most. Is that, the games are obviously wonderful, but it's, it's that feeling, that anticipation pregame. Get, just get your blood going, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why, why I do this. Um, it's, it's, it's a, you get addicted to it. You know, it's, it's kind of a high, you know, and you get really addicted to it, and it's, it's, a, it's a ton of fun. And there's a lot of other things. I love going to different stadiums and, discovering good places to eat in town, you know, the local, the local, the local spots, you know, and that kind of thing. It's all fun too. But the biggest thing is, is that feeling pregame, you know, and, and that, that buzz in the stadium and the, especially right before the game, the bands are playing and, and, and kickoffs about to happen. It's just, there's nothing like it. You can't beat it for sure. When you are kind of preparing for a game to go to, Right, you've already made your your you know list of, of games to go to and whatnot. What's your what is your preparation pr uh, process? You know, coaches tend to be you know superstitious or you know they have very routine things. Um, you know, you've got a day job, so it's not like you're a hundred percent all in on the journalism side. You know, you still got to the other job that that I assume pays the majority of the bills. For sure. <laughs> um, you know, so, so you're, you know, whether it's a Thursday or Friday or Saturday, you know, what is kind of the routine uh, for Matt step, you know, to get, get your mind right. As my buddy, Monty Sparkman always tells me um, before you jump in um, to the journalism hat. So I'm very much a creature of habit. And so my weeks really kind of run almost the same during the season. It's a very much a routine. So typically uh, Sunday, you know, I'll have the NFL on in the background. And, and if I'm traveling back home from, from an out of town game, uh, so, you know, as soon as I get home, 
I, uh, I go get groceries for the week. I get my groceries done usually either before the Cowboy game. I'm a Cowboys fan. I know it's tough. Uh, either before the Cowboys play or if they have an early game, as soon as the Cowboy game wraps up, go get my groceries for the week, get everything organized for the week, get my laundry done. And then usually Sunday from about, I'd say, four in the, four, you know, four or five in the afternoon until about, you know, 11 or 12 at night, I am putting a wrap up on – I have a couple of responsibilities as far as player, statewide player of the week, coach of the week and state rankings, get my, my things into Tepper, my boss for that. And then I start cranking out my preview for the next week. Usually I already have my games selected. I usually select those games on Saturday while the Saturday night game is going on, kind of between plays, I'll, I'll select my games. And then Monday, uh, I try to write the preview, uh, try to fin- put, put the finishing touches on the weekly preview. And then we, we record our podcast, Tep and Step, uh, Monday evening. Um, and so we talk about the games and get everything done and Tuesday is typically my, my prep day so I know what games I'm going to that week and so that's when I'll you know pop on some huddle highlights if I can uh, watch you know go read some newspaper articles from previous games pull up some box scores um, I'll scroll Twitter and kind of try to get a feel for the just you can see stuff from the box score um, but you sometimes can't get a feel for the ebb and flow of the game so if I can find a reporter that was at the game or somebody who's tweeting from that game just to kind of get an idea of how the previous week's game went for those two teams that I'm going to be covering on Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Um, and then I typically, I don't want, I used to text the coaches and call the coaches, but I don't really do. I, I don't like to bother coaches during game week. You guys are so busy. I, I try not to bother coaches too much. A lot of times if a, a coach, they'll, they'll know that I'm coming to come into their game that week. And so they may reach out to me and then I may ask a couple of questions here and there. What do you think about this week's game? How are you guys going to attack the opponent? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but I get a lot of my intel that that on game day. So when I go down the field and talk to the coaches pregame, I, I'll ask questions in, you know, hey, coach, you know, what do you know? First off, you got any, is anybody any key injuries, you know, anybody out of the game, that kind of thing. And then I may ask coach, you know, hey, how, you know, what, what do they look like on offense? What do they look like, look like on defense? How are you going to attack it? Um, anything I should look for that that kind of thing just to get some intel on the game. And then usually I, I, I try to go up to the press box. I try to get to my game usually at least an hour before kickoff, sometimes an hour and a half. Gives me time to get set up in the press box, go down and talk to the coaches early in pregame. And then that way I can just kind of watch and kind of stay out of the way. About 30 minutes before the game, I usually start making my way back up to the box and kind of get ready for the game. So that's kind of – and then you said Saturday night. You know, during my Saturday game, I'm usually picking out games and just the whole week kind of starts all over again. Love that, you know, and, and it's important that, that that kind of structure remains the same. I think it's good just to to get into that flow. I know with, you know, with the journalism side of things, you, it a lot of it can be written, you know, formulaically, but I think the quality and, and what differentiates, you know, okay, average, good, great is, is that being able to insert your personality in, into the writing, whether it's you know, the tweets or um, the actual blog or, or articles that you write, you know, I'm going to kind of play off a, a question that uh, that my buddy um, Coach Kovo on his podcast, the team player podcast, uh, does he ask, you know, what, what is your welcome to varsity moment? Um, so I'll, I, instead of welcome to varsity, I'm going to ask you when when you first started, were you, were you starstruck any, like when you first, that first season, not even just your first game, but that first season where you start traveling, you're going to games, you go to these different stadiums. Do you remember a a time or multiple times where you were just like, wow, I can't believe that I get to do this. Or do you even have that? Is that kind of recurring feeling for you on a regular basis? So it is now. I think as as I've gotten older and I appreciate it more, there are times where I really take a step back and just say, wow, you know, I get, you know, somebody pays me money to go watch high school football. That's pretty cool. But I mean, when I was a a very young reporter, I remember being at at Texas Stadium for a playoff game. Bill Parcells had had, was the coach of the Cowboys and Gordon Wood was in the press box. Coach Wood would come into the press box and watch playoff games when he was still with us um, and I remember Coach Parcells gets off the elevator and goes, you hear his, you know, his New Jersey voice, you know, where's Gordon? 
and you know somebody pointed them where he was, and I saw Parcells and, and Gordon Woods because Parcells knew Coach Wood, but Coach when Parcells was coaching at Texas Tech in the 1970s, and this P- Coach Wood would drive three hours one way to, from Brownwood to Lubbock to during spring ball to watch Texas Tech have spring practice, and Coach Parcells struck up a friendship with Coach Wood then um, and talked football with him. So that was a really cool moment for me as a very, very young reporter seeing that and be like, I'm, I'm, I think mean, I'm like, I'm in the press box at Texas stadium, Bill Parcells and Gordon Wood are over here talking and I can hear them. And I'm in a press box at Texas stadium and I've got free drinks, you know, I've got free, free soda, you know, and I'm like, I'm young. I mean, I'm like, this is awesome. And there's, I, I didn't pay a dime to get into this stadium and I'm watching a third round playoff game on Thanksgiving weekend. It was, that was kind of my first, like, wow, this is, this is really, really cool. And, you know, and that's part of what helped me fall in love with I, mean, I was already in love with high school football, but that was really a, a cool moment for me seeing that as a young reporter. Um, I covered, uh, the Highland Park Stephenville game at Old Fouts Field at North Texas when Matthew Stafford and Jevin Sneed kind of had their duel in the state semifinals and Highland Park won late and it was a 25,000 people at the stadium. It was a great game. That was kind of the first really big game that I covered as a young reporter. I want to say it was 05 or 06 when that game took place, but it was it was a ton of fun. And so those are a couple of the big moments for me as a young reporter when I first got into it. How is your, as you get older, how is your memory with games? Like for me as a coach, there, I don't, I have very little recollection of certain games from years past. You know, this is like year 13 for me. Um, I remember little aspects, but you know, there are some coaches that can recall the wind direction, you know, from, you know, August 23rd of, 1987 and they've been coaching 30 years like it it, it's it's mind-blowing to just sit and listen to them so as you've gone through this and you've seen so many games and so many different kinds of games you know are you able to actually sit back and remember a lot or do you have to go back and actually reread notes and things of that nature to to go oh yeah I was there and saw this and so I think so I mean I cover in a normal year, I, I, I see a lot of football, you know, for coaches, you guys, you know, the game, you guys really remember the games you coach in more than you know, at, at most you're, you're going to six, you're coaching in 16 games a year. And, you know, there's maybe a few games you go to watch as a fan or you're scouting that kind of thing. I mean, most years I'm, I'm covering 75 games <laughs> a lot. It is a lot of football. So a lot of the minutia I may not remember uh, as much, much just because there's so much football that I've seen, but obviously the big playoff games, those stand out. I can remember a lot about those big playoff games. And there are some games where I'll go back and read my notes or read the notes from the, the, the stories from the games, those kind of things. Uh, but the big playoff games for sure. I mean, there's not, you know, like I said, that, that Highland Park Stephenville game is 16 years ago, I think now. Uh, and I remember most, most every detail of that ball game. So it is, you know, there might be, you know, a bad regular season game that I go to that ends up 55 to nothing. I probably don't remember much about that game. And I try to keep records. I don't, I, I keep really good records of stadiums that I've visited and, and schools that I've seen. And I post Google maps of it. And Tepper always calls it a, 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 a public look at the mind of a crazy person, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I keep pretty good records of that. Um, I probably should have done a better job as a younger reporter, keeping more records, better records of the actual games and not just the teams that were playing. Cause now it's just a big giant list of teams. And I didn't, you know, I don't remember as much about that, but um, the definitely the big playoff games, I could tell you a lot about the big playoff games that I've been to. When it comes to, and I think I know the answer to this and you can answer it however you feel best to answer or just say, I, I'm going to pass and won't hurt my feelings. But <laughs> as a, as a native Houstonian and, and, you know, born and raised Houston, um, loved all Houston, love all Houston sports. I, I was actually watching um, HBO um, hard knocks in the season, the Colts episode. And I remember um, my sister and I, watched the uh, Texans versus the Colts game. We left in the third quarter after Jonathan Taylor punched the touchdown after, after the halftime um, and tickets were like 10 bucks in the nosebleeds. 
But uh, anyway, you know, there's always kind of that debate of do we keep the state championship games in Cowboy Stadium or do you put them in NRG? Where's kind of where would you prefer or do you want to remain neutral on this? What makes one stadium a little bit better than the other? I'll let you kind of. Uh... Oh no, that's that's a that's a good question. I I think I think AT and T Stadium is the best stadium. It's the best stadium to hold the events at, without question. Uh, the Cowboys do a great job of hosting. It's important to them. And I talk, you, know, you talk to schools in Houston, like North Shore, for example. I talked to Coach K, and he's like, it's night and day the the experience at AT and T Stadium versus NRG Stadium. And I think it goes comes down to. The ownership of the Cowboys, they make it a point. They want to be hospitable and welcoming to the high schools and make them feel at home. When NRG had the state championships in 2015, there was definitely not much of that. I, mean, I, I can remember, and I won't say the school. There was a school who played in a state championship game. Their coaches could not find their way to their booth until the start of the second quarter because there was no one there to help them, point them. If you've never been in that stadium before, you don't know where the coaches' booths are. You're – going hey where and there was no one there that either knew where, where they couldn't find anyone and then when they did find someone they didn't know where to go can you imagine being a coach in a state championship game and you're in the booth and you're not in the booth until the second quarter you know so that's the kind of stuff that that hurt nrg in 2015 it wasn't just the attendance but it was just that kind of the hosting being good hosts i personally would like to see a rotation maybe between that da- the prop pro- also the problem with nrg is the UIL wants to have all the games in one place. Well, that's we're talking all classifications. Well, six-man, that's – NRG is not close to hardly any six-man schools. There's like two. There's High, High Island and Chester, which is more – Chester is more like Lufkin, Piney Woods area than it is Houston. So that's it. Most of six-man t- country is well west of I-35. So – Hosting six-man state championship games in NRG is a bit of a challenge logistically. So I feel like there should be a maybe a three-year rotation of AT&T Stadium and Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Two years at AT&T, one year at the Alamo Dome. Two years at AT&T, one year at the Alamo Dome. Problem with the Alamo Dome is they need to, they got to get their locker room situation worked out. They don't have four full-size locker rooms. For, for high schools, basically when they have triple headers, one of the schools has to go dress in basically a meeting room with no restrooms, nothing like that, until the other team clears out of the locker room. during. The, so the UIL wants four. So the Alamo Dome, San Antonio has got to put some money into the Alamo Dome to get those four fully functional locker rooms to be able to have those triple header and double header games. So that's what I would like to see. But in the meantime, I think AT&T Stadium is the best spot. And I, I mean, I've done the research, and the, I've, I've, UIL said this, and I double-checked it. When you go back 40 years, if you take the teams that play in the state championship every year, if, you take, if, I, take, if I pick a random year, 1980, and the 10 teams that played in the state championships or eight teams, however many it was, and you take the average mileage between those schools, AT&T Stadium, Alamo Dome, and Houston, NRG, AT&T Stadium in every, all but one year, I think I, think I went back 40, 42 years, a, AT&T Arlington is the most centrally located for the teams that make the state championship game in all but one of those years. There was one year San Antonio was the more centrally located of all the sites, but every other year it's been AT&T Stadium. So I, I think if you're going to have it at one place, AT&T Stadium is, is the spot to have it at. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's it sucks and I, and I as a Houstonian I hate to hear that that you know that they did a basically a poor job um yeah. you know because it's not a bad arena to watch it in it's no, just I like NRG I've covered mm-hmm. many games at NRG Stadium it's it's a it's a fine stadium it's it's not as nice as AT&T Stadium but it doesn't have to be as nice it's a nice stadium yeah and the sight lines are very good in that stadium um it's a it's a good stadium I just think and I think part of it is the ownership. You know, AT&T Stadium, the ownership, it, basically the Cowboys own it. NRG, the Texans don't own that stadium. That's owned by the county. And so I think that's part of, you know, of, of it as well. I, I don't think they um, 
I just don't think there's that emphasis on on hosting and being good hosts for high school football at NRG. And you see, they, I mean, they haven't even hosted high school games the last, they haven't hosted any high school games the last two years. And that's, if I'm a Houston area football fan, I'm very disappointed in that because those things, you know, Black Friday triple headers at NRG, you know, and before that, the Astrodome, that, that was a Houston tradition. And to see that go away is, is very sad because I, I, I've been down to a couple of triple headers at NRG. I, I always had a great time. Yeah. Maybe you can talk to uh, Cowboys ownership, though, and ask them to give a little bit of a discount on the concession stand uh, with those <laughs> those triple headers because it's it's a little pricey to park and to uh, and to eat. It is. It is. I tell people all the time, you know, I, I tell them all the time, you know, bring a bring an empty bottle because they do have water stations there. Bring it. Bring an empty bottle of water. And you can fill up your water for free and then try to find the value. So, you know, eat, eat a big breakfast before you go there. And then when you do eat, get you the the the, the Ca- Cowboy Stadium, the Philly cheesesteak is the way to go. That's the best value of anything at the stadium. <laughs> that's that's actually pretty funny that the Philly cheesesteak is a better value at Cowboy Stadium. than It's, it's huge. It's, it's massive. It's like a meal in and of, in and of itself. It's the best for, for your money. It's the Philly cheesesteak. I wonder how it compares to an actual Philly cheesesteak from Philly. I uh, probably didn't compare that well, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's just like, you know, you go to Philly and try to eat, eat, eat Tex-Mex. It's probably not very good up there. No, it is probably <laughs> talking about rewinding the clock on, uh, on the iCoach podcast with coach Marvin Nash. You talked about kind of just falling into journalism and reporting. Um, can you kind of touch on how that happened? Cause I think it's a, it's a fascinating and interesting deal. And, and, um, I would highly encourage everybody to go listen to that episode uh, on Coach Nash's podcast because because y'all just talk about some really awesome stuff and um, you know and Coach Nash is just a, a great person does a great job with his podcast I've learned so much from him. Yeah, so I think you know, I, I went to school originally to be a coach. You know, my my degree is in kinesiology and I, I wanted to coach. And I actually did for a little while. You know, as a student teacher that kind of thing did some helping you know around that kind of thing but just decided you know being in a classroom this wasn't for me so I kind of got into the financial sector of a career still wanted to be around things I, th- I think I just hit my timing was just good you know I, I just got lucky you know the the message boards were really popping there in the 0405 kind of time frame that kind of thing and I would, I would be pretty lengthy with my message board posts. It would post a lot of things and, and a lot of the stuff, you know, thankfully turned out to be right. And a, a guy saw that my stuff and kind of took a chance on me and, you know, said, Hey, you know, we can't pay you, but you can get, you can get we'll give you a media pass. And I, I was like, wow, I can go sit in the press box and go to football games for free. I'll, I'll sign me up. And it just kind of started from there. You know, I think I'm, I'm a product of, of, <clears throat> of just good timing and, and a little bit of luck. I'm not afraid to say it. You know, I'm not too proud to say that I got lucky and then, you know, just happened to be right about right around that time. But I took advantage of that, of that luck. You know, I worked really hard. I, I mean, obviously I had a passion for it. Um, and so when you're, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like work most of the time. Um, but I worked, I worked my ass off, you know, and, and, and listened to the journalists. You know, I remember, you know, at first, you know, I was immediate, a lot, a lot of the old school journalists really didn't take me very seriously, but there were a couple who would give me the time of day and would talk to me. And, and I listened to them and gleaned a lot of knowledge from them and, and just kind of learned on the fly and realized pretty quick that this, this is a relationship business. And, and if I can cultivate and develop relationships with coaches, it will help me be a lot better at my job. And so the biggest thing that I felt like I needed to do was, was, you know, be honest with coaches, be upfront, um, but be a, be a, be a man of my word. Say, you know, if I say something, I'm going to do it. Um, and just understand, have an understanding. Hey coach, you know, I know you have a job to do. I have a job to do also. Can you, can we help each other here? You know, and that, that kind of thing. So um, <clears throat> that's helped me a lot is just cultivating and building those, those relationships. It didn't happen overnight for sure. Um, but I think I've gotten to the point now where even the coaches that I don't, because I, I've developed a reputation. Um, I think even the coaches who don't know me, they know someone who does know me and they've grown, grown to trust me. It didn't happen overnight and it took a long time, but I'm, I'm glad that I put the work in to do it. And I think I am a, a success story when it comes to, to you know, saying, Hey, you know, if you work hard at something and you're, and you're dedicated and passionate, you can, you can have a little success. Oh yeah. I, I would absolutely agree. You know, and uh, I think, I guess the other indicator of, of success is, you know, the naysayers and, you know, for, for us 
uh, youngsters, the haters, right? You know. Oh yeah. I'm sure you get plenty of of the unruly fan mail or whatnot, and um, you know, just kind of blocking out that noise. But obviously, you you do your job not just well enough, but you do your job um, with high integrity that people continue to give you sensitive information and allow you to, you know, drop the step bombs and um, let, you know, that sensitive information in time be released. Um, you know, and, and you're not always the first one to, to put it out there, uh, but we live in a 24 hour news cycle. Like there's just, there's always going to be something that probably hits the fan before it's supposed to, uh, oh, yeah. whether it's intentional or not. Um, but it's, is more than likely not going to come from you. It's it's going to come from a kid or a coach or some disgruntled parent, whatnot, what um, you know, before you hit your vetting process. So walk us through, you know, kind of when you get those tags and those emails or whatnot on social media about stuff, how do you vet the information so that when you put your name on it or you put Dave Campbell's on it, it's not going to come back and go, hey, man, like, you, you can't tag us in this, like, you know, because you obviously don't want to burn any bridges because, mm -hmm. like you said, this is all about relationships. Yes. So, um, the, if I get, you know, because I get random emails all the time, hey, look, look for this co coach, coach so-and-so is taking another job, you know, that kind of thing. The, the, the first thing that I do is, is I pick up the phone and I call that coach. That's, and I typically, I just say, coach, you know, I got this email or I got this text, you know, I'm just do, doing my due diligence here. Is, is this going on? You know, what, what can you tell me? Obviously we're off the record. Just kind of give me this, you know, so I, I try to go directly to the source. I don't, I don't like to call, you know, if, if it's a, if, if they're saying coach Noonan is taking the Allen job, well, I want to call coach Noonan and find out if you're taking the Allen job. And you may say, well, I'm in the mix, you know, nothing's official. You know, that kind of thing. I'll say, okay, you know, then I'll just say, hey, coach, you know, once everything breaks, shoot me a text, let me know what your timeline is, you know, and then we go from there. Um, or you may say, there's no truth to it. And then I'll say, okay, coach, I'll take you at your word. And that's it. That's the end of it. And, you know, and that kind of thing. So I just try to call the coach directly. If I can't get a call, if I can't get the coach directly, that's when I got to kind of call others in the circle and try to find out uh, the information. I, I don't like to do that as much because that's a little less reliable. And I won't, I typically won't go with that unless I get some confirmation from the school. It's themselves. So let's say, you know, coach Noonan is going to, is, is in the mix at Converse Judson and, you know, I can't get a hold of you, but I hear from someone, someone in Judson ISD that says, Hey, you know, Coach Newton's going to be a, go before the school board on Monday at seven o'clock. Then I'll say, okay, that's that's legit. Um, so it just kind of depends, or or maybe someone from your old school that says, hey, he is leaving, he's taking this job, that kind of thing. So I try to get firsthand accountability if I can. But if I can't get firsthand accountability, I'll just I won't I'll, I'll sit on it. I may tweet out like a, there's some rumors, and I'll be a little vague about it. Say, hey, there's a you know, Austin area assistant who's in the mix in San Antonio, that kind of thing. But I won't name names because I'm, I don't want to put my name on it because I'm not sure. Um, so I, I, my, my first recourse is always to call the coach involved directly and just be on and just again, just be upfront and honest. Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Tell me, tell me if it's accurate and then tell me what your timeline is. Cause I want to work with you, you know, and, and, you know, cause I've had coaches who didn't want to work with me. And then I, then it's a little, little dicier because then I'm, they're not work. I'm not working on their timeline. So Again, just honest upfront communication um, to, to say, hey, what, what's going on? When can I when can I post it? And I, I don't always post it first because I the coach asked me to sit on it. You know, if you say don't post it till Monday at seven, then I'm not going to post it till Monday at seven. There may be a TV guy or something who, who got wind of it. He posted it at 615. That's fine. I feel like over time I'm going to break more stories because I've built those relationships. And I may miss out on that those one or two but I'm going to break more in the long run because I've, I've built that trust and that those relationships with those coaches. Yeah. And I, I think that that probably matters more. Um, and it kind of segues into, into this next question regarding, you know, coaches and administration, you know, interacting, not just with you, but just in the media in general, 
in a positive manner where, you know, we're about to kick off, not just football, but volleyball cross countries already started their practices as well. You know, and then you got basketball and the other sports down the line at some point, at least the head coach and potentially a principal or an upper admin is going to interact with the media. What advice would you give them aside from like what you just touched on about being upfront, honest, how can they have positive interactions with the media? Because at the end of the day, I would think, and I believe, I would hope so, the majority of people do in that, in your line of work are just trying to get stories out there, but they're also just trying to promote kids. They're not necessarily trying to, not trying to soil or sully anybody, you know, or anybody's reputation or school. Yeah, this isn't, you know, most of the, most of the people, I would say most of my colleagues in the media in Texas, at least, that cover high school athletics are not tabloid reporters. They're just people who love sports and love athletics and are shining a light on it. So it's not, it shouldn't be an adversarial relationship. It should be a, a relationship built on, on open communication and dialogue and mutual respect. I, you know, as a media member, I understand as a school administrator or head coach, that you've got a job to do and there may maybe certain things you can't tell me because there's sensitivity or it's not official and you don't have that kind of relationship with me to trust me with that information I can be fine with that but if you just say hey you know there's there's some things going on I can't get into it with you right now but as soon as I am able to I will communicate with you so I, I think it's just a matter of being open and honest and, and up, front, up front with communication and if there's something you can't tell us because of whatever reason say that, you know, say, Hey, I can't, I can't disclose that information right now. Um, as soon as I, as soon as I can, I will, or if you can disclose it, just give us the facts, give us the information that you want to give us and, and, and keep the, you know, keep it moving. So I think the biggest thing is just understanding it's not an adversarial relationship. It should be a relationship built on mutual respect and, and honesty and, and, and having those open, open dialogue and open communication. I think that's the, that's the thing that we appreciate the most is when coaches, and administrators, you know, are, are open with us. And, you know, act, like when it comes to access, you know, that kind of thing, like we're not, you know, I know some coaches are real, 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 you know, they don't want us at practice. So they don't want us to see certain things. We're, you know, like I'm not going to get on the media or, mo- and I don't think I, I've not run into a media member in, in my time who has ever known enough about football or another sport to post plays and say, Hey, this is what, you know, this is what everyone's to do this week they're going to run power to the right you know when they have an unbalanced line they're going to, when they get this look from the defense they're going to run power to the right most of us don't know football that well and aren't going to post we're not going to post so we're not going to give away your game plan on social media we're just there to cover we're just there to do our job and our job is to cover your kids or to cover your program and we just want to do a good job of, of, of doing that so um it's like I said, we're not out to get anyone we're not out to to steal somebody's game plan we're just out there to do our jobs Yeah, I think sometimes coaches get so caught up with the game plan and and the you know the 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 secrecy and and this and such and it's like there's there's film is being shared in more ways than what we ever imagined. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. everybody's got a friend of a friend who's got film of, of you. You may have only shared two, you know, your agreement may be to only share two, two game tapes or your DEC may say, okay, you can share the film of the last two games. But I can guarantee the three games before that, that your opponents probably got film of you because they're, they got a coach who's coached with a guy on the third game of the season. He's going to get, and it's the same thing with, with your school. You know, you probably have friends and your coaches have friends who are, you know, so it works both ways. There's not, there's not as many secrets as there used to be. Uh, you know, it's more, you know, that it's, it's just the nature of it with, with huddle and, and the easy exchange of film and the easy access it used to be, you know, back, back in the old days, you had to drive and pick up that tape, you know, and maybe some guys weren't willing to do that. Now it's just literally clicking a button and sending a file off. So it's a lot easier to share a film. There's not as many secrets now. And with, like I said, with the media, most of us just aren't aren't that well versed. I, I feel like I'm fairly well versed in strategy, but even me, I'm not that well versed. I'm not well versed enough, enough to know a lot of things. And most of us aren't going to be able to. Most of us aren't going to know enough to give away your game plan or any, and we don't want to do that. Most there's not. We're not going to go out there and try to post because because we'll get burned. You know, if I've if I did that to a school, I would never be allowed to cover that school ever again. So why would I want to inhibit my ability to do my job? Where, I you know, but if you say hey, you know. 
from four to five, you know, we're going to be doing something and we, we know it's not public. We're not going to have it. We don't want any media out there. Just tell me and I'll come out at five fifteen, you know, and, and do what I got to do. So again, it's just that open line of communication. If there's something that you really don't want anyone to see, just say, Hey, you're more than welcome to come out to practice. But between this time and this time practice is closed uh, because we've got some things that we we're working on. To- coach totally understand what time, what time is a good time for you. So Again, it's just being open and open and upfront and honest with your communications. Well, we know you guys are busy. We're going to work around y'all's schedule whenever we can. Right. When it comes to players interacting with the media, um, you know, unfortunately, one of the one of the things in the school building that is not emphasized enough, in my opinion, is public speaking. Um, it's seemingly gone away and away and lesson and lesson, kind of like physical education at the younger levels and, and whatnot. But there's so many, there's so much of younger generations, um, you know, in the Austin area, we have flex ATX. And so they've got, you know, on campus kid reporters interviewing kids. Um, you know, then these kids are not necessarily in the journalism classes, uh, so they're asking questions and they're even less in the know more than likely, but then you have the the youngsters answering questions and some are, some are really great and very articulate and others are not, not so well versed with that. What advice would you give for players, especially these high profile kids um, that potentially go on to play at the next level? How would they, how should they interact with the media to one represent themselves in a positive light, but then also represent their school and their families in a positive light. You know, it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. I mean, it's something, you know, talking to your friends in a locker room versus me sticking a microphone in your face and asking you questions can be a lot different. And me personally, I I, I don't interview kids anymore um, just because I I feel like, um, you know, this is better for me to interview the coaches and talk to the coaches and, and I'll say hello to the kids. It's a kid, especially the kids know me. I'm getting, I'm getting old. And so some of the, some of the kids don't know me as much, but you know, I, I'll say hi to the kids. So, I mean, but when they're doing interviews, I think the biggest thing is, is number one, th- just because this person has a media badge doesn't mean they're special. They're just take, they're telling you, they're just trying to tell your story. So don't be nervous talking to a media member. They're just a person just like anybody else. Um, that's the biggest, there, this, you, you know, this isn't, you know, you're not talking to, you know, some famous professional sports reporter or anything, even, even the really big time high school reporters are pretty much just, you know, normal people down to earth. So we're not, we're not anything special. We're just a person that's just trying to tell your story. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is, is on camera, especially number one, you don't want to give any, anybody any bulletin board material. So I think always, when you're talking about yourself, be humble, give, give credit to your teammates and your coaches. Um, football is the ultimate team sport. And even no matter how good of a player you are, uh, there's people that are helping you along the way because it's, it's full football. That's what makes football unique because it's, it's the ultimate team game. So, so pass the credit around, be, be willing to give others credit other than yourself. Uh, and when you're talking about yourself, re- represent your family. Well, you know, just, just, you know, if, if you're nervous, you know, maybe, maybe do some practice runs, you know, if you, if you're, a, if you're a big time player and you, cause you, you know, you, you think you might get interviewed, maybe do a couple of practice rounds and, and just talk, you know, figure out what the best things to say are. Um, most of us are going to try to tee you up and let you talk about something that, that you're comfortable. You know, when I did interview kids, I always try to make the kids feel comfortable and talk, talk about, you know, you know, Hey, you know, what did you, what did you see on that big play? And, and then if I can tell that they're struggling a little bit or they're nervous, I'll try to lead it, lead them into something that's comfortable for them and, and put them in a, in a positive light. But I think the biggest thing is, is, is even if you are a little nervous, just remember we're, we're just a person just like you, we're not anything special. And, and we're just trying to tell your story. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, that you talk about not, not wanting to interview kids, uh, anymore. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we forget that they're just kids. Um, yeah. you know, even us as coaches, um, we're putting they're so lot. easily accessible now yeah. with social media. You know, when I was first coming up as a young reporter, you know, it, it was pretty much, you know, if I wanted to talk to a kid, I had to go out to the practice and talk to them. I mean, if I wanted to, I could 
DM me, kid, like, hey, I want to do an interview with you, that kind of thing. So I try to remember, you know, as much as we cover high school sports, these are still high school kids. And so I try to be cognizant of that and let the kids, you know, the kids, and honestly, the kids probably don't want to talk to me anyway, you know, they're, you know, it, so it's not really a big deal. They, they don't, you know, they get, they get, hound, especially the big time players, they get hounded a lot you know, by the media, you know, and those, those guys with the recruiting sites are doing their job. And I, I, I respect them for that. They don't, they don't need me also hounding on them as well. So I, I try to let them, you know, enjoy their, you know, high, you only get high school football once. And so, you know, after a game, I don't want, you know, if a kid has a big game, I don't want to talk to that kid. I want that kid to go enjoy it with his family and friends and, and, and do that. And I'll, I'll talk to the coach because it's his job to talk to me. It's not the kid's job to talk to me. The coach, the coach kind of has to deal with me. It's part of one of the, one of the responsibilities of being a coach is dealing with the media. The kid doesn't need to, doesn't have to deal with me. So I usually try to deal with the coach. As, as you kind of reflect back on your career, you've had the opportunity to see a lot of football. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Bless you. Thank you. Uh, do you recall or can you recall seeing some guys at the high school ranks that you just knew would play on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matthew Stafford was one for sure. Um, without a question, without a doubt, he was the best. He's the best high school quarterback that I've I've ever seen in person up to this point. Um, the best player is Kyler Murray. And I'd. I wasn't sure if he would play on Sunday because of his height. You know, I, I knew at the high school level he was incredibly dominant and also knew he was a great baseball player. So I wasn't quite sure he would go that route. Um, but he was another one. Um, I remember watching Longview running back to Michael Hasty, knowing I was like, that kid's going to be special. He's had a nice, nice NFL career as well. Um, there's so many, you know, that I've seen now. I've been around for a while. There, there's a lot uh, that I've seen and had the, had the chance to cover. Uh, through the years and, I'm, and my wife gets tired of me because we'll be watching an, an NFL game I'm like oh I watched him play in high school I watched him play in high school uh, that kind of thing so uh, I mean Samaji P. Ryan was another one I remember watching him and, and Henderson and being like this guy's gonna gonna be in the league for sure so there's always a few you know you could, I could rattle off I've seen so many games now but I mean, Matt Stafford is the one I think that was a younger reporter then and he was kind of my first like that guy is going to the NFL he was like my first one so I think I'll remember him because I was, I was thinking that, you know, that this, this kid's going to be in the league. Yeah, man. It's, you know, and it's crazy to think of what Texas has produced in terms of, of quality and quantity to go to the NFL, uh, whether they're playing one year or, or you know, five plus and exceeding, you know, the, the average lifespan mm-hmm. of an NFL player at certain positions. But when you, I don't know how often you, you engage with reporters of other, you know, states. Um, but when you, if you do and when you do, how do you compare Texas high school football to those other ones? Or do you just kind of say, well, this is what we do in Texas and you just kind of leave it alone? Yeah. I, so, yeah, I don't interact with reporters from outside of Texas very often. I'm very insular with my football coverage. I, I, I cover Texas high school football. That's what I'm interested in. I personally think it's the best, but if you don't think it's the best, that's fine. But I mean, I just don't care. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Like, like when it comes to these out of state matchups, I, I really don't care that much. You know, uh, I hope the Texas teams win, but I'm not really interested in them. I, I don't care about DeSoto playing St. Francis from Baltimore. It doesn't have really, because it doesn't have any, I can't put a gauge on that when it comes to the playoffs in Texas high school football. I hope DeSoto wins and I hope they represent our state well, but I just don't cover those games. I just, I just don't care uh, enough. I mean, I've talked to reporters who may have been in other states and then come to Texas, or maybe I've talked to reporters who were in Texas and I developed relationships with them and now they're out, they're not in Texas. So I have seen a little bit of that, uh, but I'm very focused and I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I, I just, I only care about Texas and, and that's it. So um, I think we do it better than anyone. I, I think the way that we cover it and the way that Friday nights are, are happen. Uh, if you're not from here, you may not understand it, but I, I think it's the best thing. It's, I think it's an amazing thing. And I, and I think it's, it's one of the things that makes our state unique. Uh, I would agree. I've got um, some college buddies, a um, couple that, that are from Florida, one from Georgia and another one from Pennsylvania. And so 
whenever those things come up, there's usually a little banter in our group texts about stuff. And, you know, they'll, they, they, they like to chide me anytime there's a, like a Florida, Texas or a Georgia, Texas matchup. Um, you know, but it's like, and there's no knock on, on any other states and how they do stuff. But if, if we're going to play a school, like I, if a Texas school is going to play a school like IMG, Yes, that school is located in Florida, but look at that roster. That roster is not 100% Florida kids. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a different. So, so yeah. it's, it's it's like, you know, when when the when the Euro League teams come play the MLS in the All-Star game and they demolish the MLS All-Stars, it's 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 different, you know. You're 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 pulling cream of the crop type talent and putting them on a super team in essence. Um Yeah. And I think when you look at the other states, I think if you take the top five teams from Texas and put them against the top five teams from California or Georgia or Florida or Pennsylvania or Ohio, probably all going to be pretty equally matched. Probably all going to be the same. What separates Texas is the depth. It's, it's teams 50 through a hundred that are really, really good that blow the other States away. So that, that's what makes Texas. That's why the Texas high school football playoffs are, are, are a true test of greatness because you've got to go six weeks Against the best, especially the six A Division One playoffs. I mean, you look at the the runs that those teams have to go, the gauntlets those teams have to run to win a state championship. It's unmatched anywhere in the country. Uh, that, that's what se- separates Texas is the depth. You know, the top five teams are all yeah, you know, they're all probably about the same. You know, the the best five in Georgia can come to Texas and compete with the best five in Texas, no question about it. But it's it's what, what where's your depth? You know, what it, where is it after those top five? And that's where Texas blows the other states away in my opinion i like what you just stated about um you know that that 6a gauntlet in all your years are you could you boil down what you consistently look at you know as you watch teams throughout the year and obviously luck luck plays into it to an extent right but at the end of the day the Jimmys and Joes are going to what is what's going to win you the game probably more than the X's and O's, but the from the intangible side, when you've watched all these playoff games and these state championship teams, can you list some characteristics that you are that you can see that are pretty common thread through these championship teams? You know, as we embark on this next season, that uh, maybe can help some uh, some young kids listening to this podcast go okay. This is what we need to do for our team because the coaches, I think, know, but it's it's always the kids that need to grasp that concept. I, I think it's the the vast majority of teams to win state championships. Number one, play good defense. I think you know, and good defense today is not the same as good defense. We're not going to have 1983 Dangerfields running around because the 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 game is sped up. There's way more possessions that kind of thing. But teams that, that win state championships and go deep in the playoffs typically can get stops when the chips are down. They can, they can get you off the field when they need to. And I, I, you look at the teams that win state championships and, and are playing for state titles consistently, almost all of them play good defense. They're all, you know, the offenses, you know, I mean, North Shore last year is a great, because their offense, they, they, they had a freshman quarterback, you know, who, who let I me, mean, he was great. And he's going to be really good this year. But he was a freshman last year. They won a state championship because they played great defense. They didn't turn the football over teams, even though I'll I'll look at teams and I may see a team that wins early in the season. They're winning 14, 21 point games. They're blowing people away, but they're turning the ball over two or three times and and consistently in games. I'm, I'm giving those teams side eye because when it comes to the playoffs, it's going to bite them in the butt. So team, you know, they don't turn the football over. They're, They're good on defense. They don't turn. It's the same stuff that you guys talk about with your kids Winning, winning football games. Winning, typically, winning football teams don't turn the football over and they play good defense. The offensive systems are, are a lot more varied, um, especially when you get to smaller school levels. You can win state championships running a number of different styles of offense, but they all typically play good defense and they don't turn the football over. I think those are the two biggest characteristics that I look at when I'm ranking teams and looking at teams throughout the course of the season is I want to see teams do those, those two things especially. Everything else is kind of, you know, can come and go with if, if you play good defense, you don't turn the football over, you're going to win a lot of football games. Where do you see special teams 
making or breaking playoff runs? Or how do you see special teams? Because I think that's one of those deals where, you know, the offense and defense are always going to get the highlight. But sometimes, you know, special teams almost gets the the negative infamy, you know, missed field goal, blocked punt, you know, muffed kickoff return, whatnot. You know, but how would you see uh, – play you know playoff contenders shape championship contenders with their special teams i think if you're going to be as you can't make you can't have those crushing special teams mistakes you can't have punts blocked can't mishandle snaps can't lose contain on coverage those it, it's it's i think a special teams is more a matter it's a battle of attrition of not letting like i've seen teams win state championships that aren't great with special teams but they don't completely screw it up either the, the big, the, the first thing you want, I think anything after that is a bonus. You know, if you can get a big kick return or, or if you can, I, I can't tell you how many teams I've seen that simply can't field punts. It, even if it's just a fair catch, if you just field a punt and fair catch it, you save so much field position, but teams are so petrified that their punt returner is not going to catch the football that they just tell them don't even field the punt, just get away from it. And then the ball rolls 20 yards downfield. Now your offense is starting on your own 14-yard line. They could have been starting on their own 34. Um, so I, I think it's it's and I think that's it's that big, it's that fear. It's just, I, I don't want to have a, a game-changing mistake here. So I'm just going to give up this field position. So I think if you could take care of the little things, I think more if teams can if that, that's the one thing I harp on the most is just, just field the punt. Like just just fair catch it. They can't hit you. They can't hit you. So if you just fair catch it and you save your offense so much field position. So it's just the little things. It's just not those big screw ups. You know, I, like missed field goals, you can kind of live with that. It's not, it's not crushing, but I, a blocked field goal can be crushing. Uh, a blocked punt can be crushing. You know, a 25 yard punt is not a great thing, but a blocked punt is way worse. So I think it's just those major mistakes and that kind of thing. And guys, field your punts. Fair catch, field, fair catch is your best friend. Field the punt. Oh man, you are definitely a coach because you know that's <laughs> of all the chatter that we hear in the stands. Block somebody. Don't call that play anymore. You don't hear catch the catch the punt. Like you yeah, don't hear that one that it. often. Just but field but, it. No, I, I'm in the. I'll be in the press box and I will be screaming. <laughs> just field the punt. And the guy like is right there. He just runs away from it and just won't. And I, and I, and I'm like, well, if that guy can't, if, 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 if I'm a six, a football team, I don't have one guy who can fair catch a punt. That guy shouldn't be out there. There's gotta be a guy who can at least fair catch. He didn't have, I get it. You don't, you don't want to risk your best player getting hurt. That kind of thing. Just, just fair catch it, son. And just save us, save us that field position. I've seen so many punts in this role. And it just it drives me crazy. I can't imagine how a special teams coordinator – I've heard some special teams coordinators screaming in the press box. It, it, depending on the press box, how close we are to the coach's booth. I've, I've heard a few uh, – some choice language come from special teams coaches whose guys did not field punts. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hit you up with a couple of rapid-fire questions to get you out. Number one, is there any – treat or anything that that you need in the press box coaches are notorious for you know having like i love sour patch kids so for a few years i was like i gotta have sour patch kids or you know the monsters or the energy drinks is there anything that that you just gotta have in the press box while you're working no because it varies so much so you know I, I always appreciate the schools that take care of us and feed us and that kind of thing and, I, and if they do feed us, I'm very grateful and, and I'll grab a Dr. Pepper and something to eat. But I've been at stadiums where number one, I couldn't even be in the press box. I had to stand on the field, um, that kind of thing, which is totally fine for me. So there's nothing really, I think the biggest thing is if I can, if I just have a working plug and a place to work from, that's I'm good. Anything else is a bonus for me. Matt steps rules to good barbecue, or I guess criteria for good barbecue. When I when I pull up to your barbecue restaurant, I need to see your pits. I need to I need to know that your pits are on site. If your pits are not on site, I'm already skeptical right away. I need to see that there's a pit going and that somebody's cooking barbecue on site. It's not being it's not being cooked inside in an oven 
or it's not being dri- drove in from somewhere else. I, I want to see a pit on site. Um, I mean, I judge barbecue places by their brisket. You know, your brisket's got to be good. If your brisket's not good, then everything else could be good, but I'm not going to give you a really good score. So your brisket, brisket's the most important thing. Your brisket's got to be good. Um, and then I, I shouldn't need sauce for your brisket, obviously. Um, and then for ribs, there, there's a misconception about fall off the bone ribs. Those are overcooked ribs. Ribs should have a little tug on them. So uh, I don't want your ribs to be fall off the bone. If your ribs are fall off the bone. They're overcooked. Want a little tug. And I, I like barbecue places that have, you know, multiple kinds of sausage. You know, I, I'll take regular sausage, but I love a good jalapeno cheddar sausage as well. So um, those are probably my, my biggest biggest things which your brisket it's brisket's the thing it's it's got to be good if it's not good then i'm you're you're going to take a step back no matter what what's the underrated item on a barbecue joint that people probably need to try more of especially if it's done well turkey i think good smoked turkey is is elite i love a good smoked turkey if it's juicy and it's not dry it, it's got some flavor that's the thing you know turkey Everybody gets the, the Texas Trinity, the ribs, the, the brisket, and the and the, rib, and the and the sausage. But I'll, you know, sometimes ribs aren't a part of the little, you know, meat three meat plate or what. I always get if, if a barbecue place has a three meat plate, I'm getting three meat plate. So I want to try a little bit of all of them, especially if, especially if it's a new place. I want to try a little bit of everything. But if ribs aren't a part of the three meat plate, I'll I'll get turkey. And if, if your turkey's good, that's going to get some bonus points for me. Have you ever had a place tell you thank you for stopping by and, and like tweeting them about them to drive up sales? Yes, I have. I've had a few. Yeah. And a couple of that if if they weren't if they weren't local, I would probably ask them, hey, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna, you know, hook me up, you know, next time I come in, you know, give me a little <laughs> discount or something. Uh, but actually there's a place here in Canada. Uh, it's a Texas style barbecue place here. You know, I'm, I'm for those of you who don't know, I'm I'm a little outside of Toronto. Uh, but it's a Texas style barbecue place. The guy that started it, his cousin lives in Dallas, drove up here, helped him set up a barbecue place. He's from Buffalo. He married a Canadian girl and they set up a legit Texas style barbecue place. And uh, I tweeted about him a couple first couple of times I went there. And now every time I come in, they usually give me, uh, they remember me now. So they, they always give me a little something free or give, give me, and my wife has gone in there without me and name dropped me and they give her, they'll give her a little free stuff too. So we're not above it. Hey, it's barbecue. I mean, it's good barbecue. I'm not, you know, hey, I'll I'll take what I can get. Barbecue should cost more than steaks and, you know, pork chops. It takes longer. Yeah, it does. It's a, it's a labor. It's a lot. It's very labor intensive. It's a labor intensive industry. Those guys work hard. Guys and girls work really hard to produce what we love so much. So, yeah. Barbecue, yeah, like I said, it's got to be your brisket's got to be good. And that's that's the that's the number one thing. If you're a Texas style barbecue place, you know, I, I don't know what that Carolina and Memphis <laughs> stuff, but Texas style barbecue, your brisket's got to be good. All right, just a couple more, and they're, we're going to kind of stay in the food realm just to close it out. Criteria for good Tex-Mex. So for me, I judge a Tex-Mex place first off your chips and salsa. I I gotta have if if you can't do chips and salsa right, then I'm already going to be really questioning what you're doing. It, typically the places that I really love their salsa that I, these are the foods going to be, because they put, if you put effort into your salsa, you're going to put effort into your food. And if it's just crap salsa, then I'm a little worried. So it's a little thing, but I feel like the places that have good salsa have put some time and effort into their food. Uh, some of the DCTF crew, their view on Tex-Mex is, is they want to order the most basic Tex-Mex thing in the world and see if you can do that right cheese enchilada they want a cheese enchilada plate there's a couple of guys on the, on the team and they're like because they're like if you because they, they basically the, the theory is it's really hard to screw up cheese enchiladas and if you screw up cheese enchiladas then you, you're terrible at cooking mexican food i'm i'm not like that uh i'm i'm very diverse with my my food mexican I, if i'm in a fajita mood i'll order fajitas if i'm in an enchilada mood i'll order enchiladas if i'm in a taco mood i may order some tacos that kind of thing but for me, it's it's the chips and salsa. I need to see effort in your salsa uh, to 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 do that. But my favorite Mexican, like sit down, eat Mexican restaurant, is in Houston. Actually, I love El Tiempo. Man, when I when I'm in Houston and I can get over there, I'm going to El Tiempo every single. That place is awesome. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've had anything bad from it. All right, it's, so I, I'm going to change it up. Um, but go ahead. I was like, it's 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 awesome. El yeah. Tiempo is like it's 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 
top and their sauce is great. It's, I can inhale that stuff. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make this the last one. I'm actually going to take away from the food and we're going to go. Uh, and I, I feel like you, you would have a good take on this. Uh, and it just hit me. So I wanted to ask what makes, what makes a good football uniform? That's a good question. I've, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not a traditionalist, but I'm not like this guy who likes 10 different, 10 different helmets and 10 different combinations. Like on the scale of like Alabama, Penn state to Oregon. You I'm know. more in the middle. Yeah. I, I like, a. I, I think a third alternate Jersey is really cool. I, I, I think you got to have an identity. And I think you got to stick to your colors. I don't like introducing these non-school colors into the color scheme. Like when T, I like, I'm a Fort Worth guy. Uh, I, 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 my college didn't have a football team. So because I was from Fort Worth, I kind of adopted TCU as my college team. I hate it when TCU puts red in their uniforms. Red's not a, red's not one of your colors. What are you doing? So I, I like, I like that consistency, but I like to, if you're going to, if you're going to change it up a little bit, just kind of have your identity and kind of have a, have a plan. Um, That's kind of my thing. I I think I don't like, I personally don't like all like, like I don't, I don't want to see a team in red helmets, red tops and red pants. The only color I think you should wear is white. Like you can go white helmet, white pants, white Jersey, everything else. You got to mix it up a little bit. If you've got a white helmet, or if you got a blue helmet, I don't want to see blue helmet, blue shirt. You know, you have a different color than this. White pants, or if you're wearing your white jersey, you're fine. Wear your blue pants, but, it, you know, mix it up a little bit. So so you don't like the all black, you know, Vader look? No, I'm not a big – I think all, all white is good. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I mean, all black is okay, but the, the all white is the best for one color. I got you. I, I just probably you – know, stick, stick to your school colors and then just don't wear all, all of one color. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, if people have asked me like, what's my favorite logo, what's my favorite uniform, it's hard. There's a lot, of, a lot of good ones out there. Um, I'm a blue guy, so I, I'm I'm a little more. I'm I'm kind of a fan of the of the baby blue, I guess. I, I love Frisco. The new school in Frisco has some baby blue in their color scheme. It looks it looks amazing. So I guess I've had to pin 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 it down. That's what I would go with. Well, I, I told uh I told our new head coach Doug Pierce. I was like, we need to get. Uh, when you look at the uh, Navy helmets, you know, we're, I think there's a lot of, a lot of schools that do the flat black, the matte black, you know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, like I saw BYU did the, the, the matte Navy. And I thought that looked really sharp because it was just something a little different. So, you know, Pierce, let's really look at that next year's budget. Maybe. I like it. I like the Navy helmets. There you go. Yeah. I like it. So, well, Matt, man, thank you for taking the time out. I know that uh, things are about to get hectic and crazy, but I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you do for the profession of journalism. Uh, I've learned so much from you just, you know, and engaging uh, how you interact on Twitter with people, um, you know, but and most importantly, thank you for what you do for for high school athletics in the state of Texas and, and, and for your voice in support uh, of kids and of coaches and of public education, man, it's, it's sincerely appreciated in, in a time where everything is becoming scrutinized that they do. Um, it's great to have people like you, you know, speak up in support and, and really put these kids and these programs um, from all corners of the state uh, on, on the world stage, on the global stage through, through a social media platform like Twitter. Um, and thank you guys uh, for what you guys do at Dave Campbell's. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you, and thanks for having me on. It was a blast.